Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier with the Franklin Church of Christ. I've got an exciting lesson here for you today. In October and November of 2005, the Franklin Church of Christ conducted its second annual fall focus. That year, we focused on the family. We had several guest speakers come in. You're about to hear a lesson by Mike Waters, pressing on for the family prize. What is that ultimate prize, and how do we press on for it? Open your Bibles. And let's learn how to glorify God as a family. Good morning. It's good to be with you. And I want to take a moment to uh, express appreciation for the elders for inviting me to come and speak uh, during this series of, of lessons on the family. I appreciate what you're doing with this. Uh, this is a little bit different approach to the traditional gospel meeting, which is probably good, uh, since sometimes the traditional gospel meeting does not uh, produce the results in our time as it may have in, in prior times. So you're thinking outside the box, and that's good. Um, I especially appreciate the emphasis that's being placed upon the family. At the age of 43, I can honestly say that I've become very cognizant of how important family is. It's important for a lot of different reasons. It's, it's important because as I grow older, I want someone who's going to be there to perhaps care about me and, and share some of life's trials and difficulties with me. It's important because I have a companion for life and my wife, Paula. But I think as I grow older, I realize how the family fits into God's scheme of things. If you go back and, and look at the creation, you, you can't help but be impressed with the fact that the institution of marriage or the family itself was clearly a part of what God intended for man to experience here on this earth. And I'm convinced, and, and if you're sitting there and you're single and, and, and you don't have children, you don't have a spouse, you still have a family, and you still have family obligations. Somebody brought you into this world, and, and they are your family. But as Christians, as a child of God, I understand that the relationship that I have with my family in so many ways affects the relationship that I have with God. Normally, we would say that the relationship that we have with God affects the relationship that we have with our family, and that's true, and, and you've probably already seen that during the course of your studies, and you'll be seeing it in, in the days and the weeks to come. But I think it's, it's just as true that the relationship you have with your wife or the relationship that you have with your children or the relationship that you have with your sibling or your parents has an incredible impact upon the quality of your spiritual life. And we're going to be looking at some passages in just a few moments that, that emphasize that. But our focus in the lesson this morning is going to be pressing on for the family prize. Now, what is the family prize? What is it that we ought to be striving for as families? And maybe you ought to look at your own life. And regardless of what the answer to that question would be by yourself, what would others say is the focus of your family? 
What is that that your family is focused upon? What do others see when they look at your priorities as expressed by your actions? What is your focus? When Paul wrote in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14 that I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, he was not writing about the family. In fact, Paul was a single man. He didn't have a wife. He didn't have children. And as best as I can tell, he died a single man without a wife and without children. There's no evidence that Paul ever married. And yet I'm confident, had Paul been a married man, and if he would have had children, this would have been a philosophy of life that would have permeated his home life. When Paul said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, Paul was looking forward to something that transcends life. And I am confident that if Paul would have had a wife and if he would have had children, he would have sought with, with all of his being to instill within them that same desire. He would have wanted his wife to have been pressing on for that same goal. He would, have, he would have wanted his children to be pressing on for that same goal. And I'm convinced that, that, that they would have sat down at, at mealtime and they would have talked about that goal. I'm convinced that, that this Apostle Paul, and, and if he had had a family, that, that that family would have been focused and they would have been going places together and they would have been studying together and they would have been praying together and they would have made it clear that as a family, their focus was heaven. And that's really what this focus of the Apostle Paul boils down to. That eternal reward that God has promised all of us. But how do we do that as families? How do we press on for the family prize? Well, I'm going to suggest to you, number one, that we must focus as a family upon heaven. I humbly admit that in our home, and I've thought about this as I was preparing this lesson, that's not enough of a focus for us. Yes, we go to church. Yes, I make sure that the kids, and, and my wife does a better job of this than I do, that they have their, their, their Bible verse memorized for Wednesday night and Sunday morning. We make sure that they bring their lesson. We make sure that, that we read the Bible story to them every night. We pray together. But do we speak often of heaven in our home? I'm certain that at some point in this series, if you haven't already done so, you're going to do so this morning and you're going to do so again tonight. The, the, the passage in the book of Deuteronomy it's going to come up, come up several times because it's a passage where as Moses was about to, I guess, inspire the people to, to enter the promised land and as they stood on the plains of Moab, he delivers this series of speeches and he gives emphasis to things that are, were of paramount importance 
And that He wanted them to remember as He passed from this life and as they went into that promised land. But in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, you shall love the Lord your God in verse 5, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and, and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as, as funnels on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And what Moses was saying was, I want you to take what God thinks is important and I want you to put that in your home life. They were going into the promised land. Well, we have a promised land. And that promised land is heaven. And it is, it is a land, it is a destination of which we should speak often in our homes. And again, we, we take the minds of our children to the future. We speak of of them as they mature and become teenagers. We speak of them as, as they are going to go off to college. We, we, we speak of them in terms of what we think is important in mate selection and, and then having children. But, but there's something that goes so much farther than all of that and that affects all of that, and that is the family prize. It is heaven. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 that our citizenship is in heaven. Well, if that's where our citizenship is, then should we not, as husbands and wives, as, as fathers and mothers, as children, as brothers and sisters, should we not be speaking of that place, heaven? Should we not be focused upon that Place? Should we not be, be setting our minds on things above, as the Apostle Paul challenged us to do in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 1? If then you have been raised up of Christ Jesus, if you're a child of God, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And that has to show itself in what we say and in what we do. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. And again, what's the focus of your family? What's the focus of your life? Verse 3, for if you, if you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. And again, you can see the emphasis upon heaven. You can see the emphasis upon, upon the end of time. You can see the emphasis of what God said here was, was so important. We need to be speaking often of heaven to our children. We need to help them understand that there's something that, that, that waits for them on the other side of this life. And think about the difference that that's going to make in their lives. Even at a young age, teenagers can, can begin to conceptualize that, that, that what I'm facing now in terms of peer pressure, and, and as I go to school and I have to listen to what others say and how they make fun of me and, and they, they ridicule my faith, that, that it really doesn't matter because I see something more important than all of that. And that's happened. We also need to speak often of, of heaven's rewards. It was interesting to me that as I, I went through and I reviewed these passages, and we're not going to take the time to look at all of these, but 
the language that the Holy Spirit chose to use about heaven and about the life hereafter is language that even our children can understand. Jesus said, in, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. They, they can understand what a big house is. They can relate to that. When Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verses 50 through 58, spoke or wrote of the change that's to take place in our, our bodies and how that, that we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, and that which is perishable shall put on that which is imperishable. In other words, that which cannot last will be transformed into that which will last. Even again, with a little bit of thought, a little bit of creativity, we can help our children to understand that. Again, in Philippians 3 and verse 21, when Paul wrote of our citizenship as that which is in heaven, he said in that same chapter in verse 21, he said that he will transform, that is Jesus, the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. We can, we can communicate to our children as, as, they, as they have boo-boos, if you will, that in heaven there will be no boo-boos. There, there will not be injury. The, the body will be able to, 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 to live forever when, when we are changed. And again, we need to be talking about that to our children. I don't speak enough of that to mind. So many other passages talk about the change. And then that, that, that glorious description in the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. And, and think again of how our children can reach out and they can latch on to this. A new heaven, verse 1, a new earth, the first heaven, the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. You know, with, with a child's imagination, I can almost see them seeing that better than I can. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He shall dwell among them. They shall be His people, and God Himself shall be among them. And He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Parents, when your children cry and you wipe those tears away, perhaps that's an opportunity to express to them that someday they will die, they will go to heaven, and there will be a loving Father who will wipe away their tears. And there shall no longer be any death, there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Again, how often do we communicate in the home in those terms? of heaven, the family prize. Secondly, I'm going to suggest that we must, as families, establish priorities. You've heard this before. You understand the importance of seeking first God's kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, children can understand what first means. They know what that is in terms of an order of, of priorities. And again, do we, do we instill that into the minds of, of our children? We need, to, we need to, as parents, not only tell our children about what's important, but we need to show them. 
it doesn't take our children very long to figure that out. Dads, what do your children see when they look at how you spend your time? Moms, what do children see when they look at how you spend your time? What do you show as being of most value to you? Going back once again to the writings of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Paul wrote in verse 4, Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. And now here's the order of priorities. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul says, I not, not only have I suffered loss, but I don't really care. Not only have I given up things in my life, but I just don't care. Because what I care about most is Jesus. Verse 9, I want to be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead? How much time do you think you would have had to have spent with the Apostle Paul in a private conversation before you became very much convinced what was of greatest importance to him? Do our children struggle to figure that out? Do we only leave them a clue here and there as to what is most important to us? In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, that great chapter of faith in which we read of all these who died in faith. Hebrews 11 and verse 13. Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Sarah. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, Hebrews 11 and verse 13, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Do you think their kids ever heard that? For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And if indeed they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Now here's a humbling statement. Hebrews 11 and verse 16, the latter part, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Have you ever asked yourself the question, Is God ashamed of me? Is God ashamed of me as a father, as a, as a mother? As a husband, as a wife, 
Do I make it clear that I'm striving for that family prize, that I'm, I'm seeking first God's kingdom, and that I'm moving forward? Is that, is that clear? Is that clear in the minds of my children? Is that clear in the minds of my, my, my wife or my husband or my brother or my sister, my physical brother or my physical sister? Let me tell you something. That's something we don't talk about very often. We talk about influence of, of other people. Regardless of your age, you may have a brother or you may have a sister who's struggling spiritually or who perhaps is unfaithful. It may be that you're the one that can bring them back to the Lord. You know, I see my children and and at this age, there's so much promise. But I've lived long enough to know that there are no guarantees in life. They are free moral agents. They will choose someday the path that they will follow in life. And they'll make that choice very soon. It may seem like it's a long time, but it'll be very soon. Am I, as a father, leading them in such a way that if they choose to do wrong, at least I will know that I led them down the path of right. Now, I'm not asking you if your children are unfaithful to leave here with an incredible guilt trip this morning. Again, the Bible in no way and in no place teaches the impossibility of apostasy. Our children can grow up and they can be unfaithful. That little boy and that little girl that's running the Bible class right now, that loves to come to church, that loves to see their friends and their buddies, and that, that just absorbs those Bible stories, we don't know what they're going to be like when they grow up. But to the extent that we have opportunity to influence their lives, we need to be establishing priorities now so that as they grow up, they will make the right choices. I'm going to suggest to you that you need to develop a family mission statement. In the book of Joshua, another great leader of God's people during Old Testament times, as he was giving his own farewell address and reviewing the history of Israel, he said to the Israelites in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. What a great sermon. What a great statement for the people. And yet you can't help but be impressed with where he takes this in verse 15. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now look at it. And here's the mission statement. But as for me and my house, we, we will serve the Lord. 
You see, looking to the future, Joshua had already made up his mind. This is our priority. This is what comes first with us. Regardless of what you do, we're going to do what's right. I tell you, the church today needs that kind of conviction. So many, so many men, so many women are are falling away from the Lord and they're blaming what everybody else does for that. They're blaming church problems. They're, They're blaming lack of leadership. They're blaming bad preaching. And that always gets thrown into the mix eventually. Do you think Joshua would have done that? Is, is, is this the kind of man that's going to come to church and it's going to complain about everything that's going on and then it's going to leave and he's going to say, they're, they're the reason why I'm no longer there. How long do you have to be a Christian before you realize that people in church just aren't perfect? I've never been a part of a congregation that, that is without problems. I've been here. We had problems. I'm in South Coleman now. We've got problems. I used to be in I've been in numerous churches throughout the year. I have yet to find one without problems. I tell you, you're, you're kidding yourself, my, my friend, if you think that you're going to find a situation that's just perfect. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter if the whole thing's just falling apart. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, as Paul wrote of this magnificent plan of salvation that God had, he said of that plan, Ephesians 3 and verse 11, that this was in, when it, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. God had a plan. And that plan was in the mind of God before it ever even began, that is, the history of mankind, the creation of the world. It was in His mind before. Joshua's plan was in his mind before. What is your plan? Have you articulated to your children what your plan is? Micah, Lydia? Here's our plan. Look at him over there. He's got his little arm around her. That's so sweet. <laughs> you said that arm come off, man? I caught him. I caught him showing love for each other. They're embarrassed now. Several years ago, we had a class on the family, and Paul and I got together and we wrote a family mission statement. I don't think my children know what this is. You, you help me, Paul. When we get home, we're going to put this somewhere where our kids can see it. This is what it is. Our family mission is to serve God in the home by studying His Word regularly and allowing it to guide our lives. To glorify God in the way we treat one another by being kind, patient, supportive, and forgiving. And I'll explain later what that means. And loving one another unconditionally. To put God's kingdom first in all things by engaging in good deeds consistent with our faith and making decisions based upon God's purpose for our lives. That's our family mission. If you haven't taken the time 
to write a mission statement. Do so. I know. Well, this is my mission statement. You need to do a little bit better job than that. Be a little bit more specific. And then finally, pressing on to the family prize. Follow God's plan for the family. God has a clearly established plan for the family. There's about as much written about the family in the Scriptures as I guess there, there would be any other topic that we would consider of relevance to our time and our generation. God said a lot about the family. And, and, and probably 98% of everything that doesn't apply specifically or directly to the family does indirectly. The institution of marriage, one man, one woman for life, leaving father and mother and cleaving to one another and becoming one flesh. There's power in that in terms of pressing on for the family prize. If we're going to make it to heaven, we're going to have to have solid marriages. The Bible speaks and reiterates in the teaching of Christ and the teaching of the apostles of the commitment that we make before God when we enter into those marriage vows. Have you ever stopped to consider why God hates divorce? Even when there is that exception, fornication, God still hates it. He allows it. He permits it. But He still hates it. Why does God hate divorce? Because, it's, because it is the breaking of a covenant. When we said for better or for worse, you know what? That even included fornication. God allows divorce for that cause. But it's still not the ideal situation. Have you ever thought about that? I've known couples that have survived adultery. And I know it probably was not easy for them to do so. But some of the most solid marriages are those that have. And it's because when that happens in, in the marriage, you're forced. You, are, you don't have a choice now. You, you've got to revisit those vows. You've got to ask yourself, why is it important that we stay together? I've got an out here. I've got, I've got an opportunity to go and, and start over with somebody else. Why would I want to stay? And when you go through that process, the outcome of that can be one of the strongest marriages. I think of men and women that have forgiven an unfaithful spouse. I don't think you're any closer to the heart of God when you've done that. 
Because when, when you take back one who has broken that vow, that covenant to be faithful, you're experiencing what God experienced time and time again in his relationship with his bride, the nation of Israel. And you're experiencing what God experiences every day in your own life. When you sin. And you're unfaithful to God. That plan that God has for the family. Husbands, loving wives, as Christ loved the church, even expressed in terms of that, 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 that institution or that organization or that organism through which mankind finds salvation. Wives being in, in submission to husbands as the church is to be to Christ. When you follow that plan, what you do is you enhance your walk with God. I want you to see that. I want you to, if you don't leave here this morning with anything else, I want you to leave here with that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, when, when Paul was writing about intimacy in the marriage relationship, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5, Stop depriving one another, except by agreement for a time that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Can you see in that the impact that the quality of your relationship has upon your relationship with God? Can you see in that how that the way that you interact as husband and wife affects the relationship that you have with God? In 1 Peter chapter 3, when Peter was emphasizing the, the need and the importance of, of wives being in submission to their husbands, he wrote in verse 7, you husbands likewise, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman, and grant, look at this, grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. You see how he mixes salvation in with this very practical teaching on the marriage relationship? So that your prayers may not be hindered. You see, there is the hindering of our spirituality when things are right at home. But I'm going to tell you something, when things are right at home, Everything else in life just kind of falls in place, doesn't it? Work's better. Your bad golf game's better. you got something to look forward to when you get home, even if you lose. Makes it easier if, if the month runs out before the, or the money runs out before the month runs out. you got somebody there that's, that's just making you feel good about life. You get things right at home. And that, again, that's why this series is so important. The reason we're having problems in our churches is because we're having problems at home. We strengthen the home and we strengthen the church. You know that. You know of families that have come into this congregation that, that, that are just as solid as a rock. They're, 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 they're striving for that, that prize of heaven. What a difference they make in the church. What a difference they make in the congregation. And you've known also how when there's problems at home, 
if those problems go unchecked and unresolved, and if, if they grow into a situation where a divorce is going to result, eventually that's going to affect the church like a cancer. I, I, I know of very few situations in congregations where there is divorce or adultery that doesn't have the potential to divide the congregation. Because so many people start lining up on either side, don't they? You've seen that. And again, that's why there must be a focus on the family. And that's why as families it's so important for us to, to press on for that family prize. Are you doing that in your families? Are you focusing on, on heaven as a family? Are you establishing priorities as a family? Do you have a family mission statement? And finally, are you following God's plan for the family? If such is not the case, please make a commitment. And it's never too late to start. That's the great thing. Our, our God is the God of the second chance. It doesn't matter how bad your relationship is with your wife right now. It can get better. It can be what it used to be, and it can be better than it used to be. You just got to start today. Go home this afternoon and have a talk and make it better. Press on for the family prize. I hope this lesson by Brother Mike Waters has been beneficial to you and your family as we learn how to press on for the family prize. Let's remember what we learned in this lesson. One, we must focus on heaven as a family. Two, we must establish priorities as a family. Three, we must follow God's plan for the family. If you have any questions about the family and how it can be built by the Lord or how it can press on for the family prize, or if you have some questions about our fall focus or about the Franklin Church of Christ in general, please give us a call, 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on tape or CD. If that's the case, please go to that website that I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there available for you to download in audio and outline format. Additionally, we have several other lessons in this series built by the Lord, our 2005 fall focus on the family. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.